So we open our hearts and our minds this morning to the reading of the scripture. Our lesson is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verses 25 through 35. It is our tradition to stand in honor of the Gospel lesson, so I would invite you to do that. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked on ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening up the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem And they found the eleven and their companions gathered together, and they were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. May God add a blessing to the reading of the word this day. Over the last few weeks, we have been doing resurrection stories with Jesus. In the first week, we talked about Jesus offering Peter grace after the midst of his denial and shame. Last week, we watched Jesus move Thomas from doubt to faith. And these are incredible gifts that Jesus wants to offer to those who have been his followers for three years as he leads them into becoming leaders on on their own. And so today, our story is an encounter where Jesus is with disciples whose names we do not know. There are people that were part of the crowd that followed him into Jerusalem, and today we watch him open the scriptures and warm their hearts. The story is set in the journey that's about seven miles long to the village of Emmaus, And it's that very first Easter day where the tomb has been discovered open. But I want you to recognize that in Luke, Jesus has not appeared to Mary or any of the disciples yet. His first appearance is to people we have never heard of. One of them goes completely unnamed in the story, and the other is named Cleopas. My Bible dictionary says that he is the husband of one of the Marys who witnessed the crucifixion, which made me wonder if the person that he's walking with might also be his wife, Mary. And this story is the only place where we meet or hear of Cleopas being named. And in verse 17, which we didn't read today, they tell us that this journey, the tone of the story, the people on this walk, that this is a tone of sadness. Our weary travelers have lost hope. They are grieving and they feel alone, and they are returning to the lives that they had before they knew Jesus. 
when they encounter this stranger on the road who the narrator tells us is Jesus, they do not recognize him. They have no idea that he is their Messiah. And so they're shocked that he doesn't know the stories of what has just happened in Jerusalem, the things that have happened to Jesus of Nazareth, as they call him. And so then they begin to teach the stranger, Jesus, and this is what they say. He was a prophet, mighty and deed and word, before God and all the people. And our chief priest and our leaders handed him over to be condemned and crucified him. But we had hoped that he would be the one who would redeem Israel. So they go on to explain that some of the women had been to the tomb that morning and there had been angels who proclaimed that Jesus was alive and the tomb was empty. Yet they had already lost hope. They did not believe the witness that the women gave and they started this journey back to where they had come from. Which brings us to our text today, where Jesus breaks open the scriptures and teaches them this overarching theme of God's redemption. Our song, This Is My Story, Jesus tells the story. And you have to remember that the scriptures that Jesus is breaking open to them, the holy text, is what we refer to as the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures. There is no New Testament. And I love the way the Bible Project authors of that website, they describe the Bible as one unified story that leads to Jesus. And this is the story that he tells them on that road. And I don't have time to tell you that whole story from Genesis into the resurrection, but it is there if you would like to watch it. You have to look at the Messiah video. It explains the promise of the Messiah. I want to leave the biblical text for a moment and talk about John Wesley, the founder of the United Methodist Church. I want to tell you a story that we always tell the confirmation students, and some of you may have heard this story when you were a youth or sometime in your relationship with your congregation, but you may not have ever heard it or simply forgotten. But in case you don't know, I want you to hear that John Wesley and his brother Charles founded the movement in England that became the Methodist Church and ultimately the United Methodist Church here in the U.S. Their father was an Anglican priest and their mother, Susanna, she was a homemaker, but she also homeschooled all of their children. For many of you, you are understanding what that means more than you ever have in your life before. But here's what I want you to hear. Susanna Wesley had 19 children. Only 11 of them lived past the first two years of their life. And so when she was teaching at home, not just reading and writing and arithmetic, but she was also teaching them the Bible, she had 11 children to wrangle from all different ages. And she was very structured and very organized, and she made sure that she carved out time every week with each of her children for one-on-one -on -one time. 
I also want you to hear that the daughters, she taught the daughters as well as the sons, and that was very rare for that time. So John and his brother Charles are the two who eventually go off to college at Oxford, and during their time there, John shows his incredible talent for organizing people, and um, he and his brother really focus on helping the poor, widows, orphans, and they create a beautiful prison ministry uh, to the prison there in Oxford. Charles's gifts were in music, and um, he also, what I learned when I went on the Wesley pilgrimage all over England, was he often was prompting John to try things he hadn't considered. John was the organizing genius of the two, but often Charles doesn't get credit, but that he was the one who said, let's try this, and he was the good idea guy. Um, and so John, he talks Charles into becoming missionaries, and they come to the colonies in what is now uh, considered the state of Georgia. And uh, John believes that he's being called by God to quote unquote, save the savages. Well, during that time when they are serving here on this side of the pond, John tries to instill the discipline that he grew up with in his home, and he tries to talk people into getting up every day and praying on their knees for four hours every morning before they did everything else. You can imagine he was very, very strict and actually not very popular. He eventually has a huge scandal, which I'm not going to go into the details about, but he refuses to serve communion to a very prominent citizen, and as a, a result of that, he and Charles have to flee in the night to go back to England. So on this ship, John is feeling like a failure. He uh, didn't have the success that he had hoped to in the colonies. He didn't, quote-unquote, save any savages. Um, and a storm comes, and it rocks the boat that they are on to the point that they fear for their lives. Uh, unlike him, there's a group of people called Moravians. If you do not know what Moravians are, they're German-speaking people who are not Catholics, but uh, Protestants. And they're on the boat with John and Charles, and when the storm comes, they're not afraid. They sing hymns, they pray, and from all outward appearances, they seem completely calm. So John wrote in his journal that he wished that he had faith like them. So when they get back to England, Charles goes to a, a Moravian Bible study and prayer meeting, and then he, the next day, convinces John to do the same thing. And John didn't really want to go, but then while he was there, he heard them reading from Martin Luther's preface to the letter to the Romans, and he said he felt his heart strangely warmed. He wrote in his journal that at 8.45 p.m., while the leader was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith, I felt my heart strangely warmed, and I felt I did trust in Christ alone. Christ alone for my salvation, and an assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins, even mine and saved me from the law of sin and death. 
Now this moment, John Wesley's faith moves from a set of rules and disciplines and actions that he's required to go to, or to a moment of faith and passion, and his story becomes personal. He sees himself as the redemption, in the redemption story that Jesus offers. His faith takes a turn, and he becomes passionate in a personal way that he had never been before. I want to think about how at this key moment, it could have gone the other way. John could have gone back to England destitute and feeling like he could not serve God. He would have lost hope and given up his ministry because he felt like a failure. But he didn't. He went on because of this moment where his story was woven into the redemption story of God's love that he founded this incredible missionary movement and ministry that is the Methodist Church. Why do I tell you this story? Because in our text today, they describe a heartwarming experience as they heard the scriptures being taught by Jesus and they were opened up for them. There's a scholar named Molly Marshall and she talked about how scripture is understood best in community because we need each other to keep us from reading in an insulated way. We need other people's eyes and interpretations to challenge the narrowness of our own hearts. And Jesus, with that couple walking, challenges the narrowness of their hearts. He opens up the scriptures. He reveals to them the moments in Jerusalem that gives them life returns their hope. I want to remind you what the, what the Bible story said. At verse 30, it begins, when he was at the table, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures for us. Our weary travelers from our story today may have been slow of heart, but Jesus, when he broke the bread, their eyes were open to who he was. There is so many incredible things in this first encounter, the gifts that he offers these uh, disciples that we do not know. The first one is he moves them from hopelessness to redemption. He moves them from grief to assurance. He offers them the scriptures as a resource and invites them to enter the story of God's redeeming love. And finally, he drags them from a place of isolation to the gift of community with the breaking of the bread and the remembering. Jesus offers this disciple, these disciples, the scriptures, as a reminder that he is part 
of the larger story that goes from the very beginning in Genesis into the resurrection, a story of God's redeeming love and grace that is poured out for all of us. May our hearts, our eyes be open for us as we see ourselves in this great redemption story. Jesus invites us to let our hearts be warmed by the scriptures, to be reminded that our story is woven together with God's story and with the stories of each other. And when we think we are unlovable or we see ourselves as a failure, we are reminded to do this in remembrance of me. We are part of the beloved community. We come to the table where Jesus breaks open the, be- the bread and invites us to live in this community. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. I want to invite you to join me in our prayer of confession. God of resurrection power, break through the locked doors of our certainty to encourage our wonderings and our questions. Break through the wall of our fear that we might make room for all at your table. Break through our doubt and confusion that we might come to know your presence more fully in our lives and in our world. When we seek to judge ourselves and others for disbelief and questions, open the locked doors of our hearts and give us the patience of the risen Christ in whose name we pray, amen. As Christ broke into the disciples' locked room, offering forgiveness and the breath of new life, so Christ can enter our closed hearts and minds and give us new life. Know that you are forgiven. Feel the breath of the resurrection creating you anew. Thanks be to God. Amen. Lift up your heads. We lift them up to God. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Lift up your hands. We dedicate our heads, our hearts, and our hands to the worship of God. We offer our entire being to the God of creation who made the sun and the moon to govern by day and by night, who hung the stars in the sky, We offer our entire being to the great God who hollowed out the valleys and bulged up the mountains, who spat out the seven seas and populated the world with glorious creatures. Blessed be the name of the Lord who created us and fashioned us from the dust and breathed into us the breath of life. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to us in spite of our destructive ways. He healed the sick 
raised the dead and cast out demons. In the brief time that he was with us, Jesus sided with the oppressed, had compassion with, for those who suffer, and gave dignity to women and children. He taught us in word and deed about a God we had been unable to understand. Yet even on the day of his crucifixion, Jesus continued to teach those who would listen. When evil came with his betrayer, he did not respond in violence, choosing instead to remind us that those who live by the sword die by the sword. When he was falsely accused and condemned to death, Jesus refused to do harm. And while hanging on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But we give you thanks that nothing ever was or ever will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our eyes are turned toward the skies, looking for the day when Jesus shall return to a kingdom without end, where the lion will lay down peaceably with the lamb, where sickness and disease are not known, where the wicked will cease from troubling and we will study war no more. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he shared a meal with his disciples. He took bread from the table, gave thanks to God, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the meal was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Today, Jesus, we remember the bread and the cup. Today, we remember your life and your death. We remember your resurrection. We remember eternal life. As we receive these gifts in praise and thanksgiving, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let us pray. Holy God, pour out your spirit upon these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, wonder-working God. Pour out your spirit upon us as we offer ourselves to be God's presence in the world until Jesus returns in glory. And they all said, Amen.